0: Hi everyone. It is a Wednesday, which means we are back with a brand new episode of Killer Instincts for you this week. If you are new here, hi, my name is Savannah Breimer. I am your host here on Killer Instinct. I hope you all have been having a great week so far. I myself am getting over some sort of sickness. So if I sound a little off, please bear with me. As you can tell by the title of today's episode, we are talking about a case that is extremely prevalent in the media right now. It's all over the news, everyone is talking about it. And because it is so recent, I typically would wait on a case like this because you, know, you wanna wait for all the information to get out, everyone to kind of have all the facts and things like that. But there is a lot of information out there, A, and B, when I was doing my research on this case, because I have been following it, there were so many things about this case that made me so angry and just the way that it was all laid out there and seeing people's reactions to it and their responses to it really struck a chord with me. So I didn't want to wait on this case. All of this information has been coming out over the past, you know, a little bit over a week. So as information comes out, if you do want updates on this case, I might do an updated episode. But I think that this case being as tragic as it is comes with such an important lesson to everyone listening that I think it's too important to not share now. So as you can tell by the title, we are talking about Mackenzie Lewick, who was a 23-year-old senior who was attending the University of Utah as a nursing student. So Mackenzie was living at an off-campus apartment in Salt Lake City, Utah, and she was also a part of the Alpha Chi Omega sorority. I was never a part of a sorority, but I know that they sometimes have different pronunciations of their names, so if that's not the correct pronunciation, I apologize. Everyone who knew Mackenzie pretty much had only amazing things to say about her. Mackenzie was described as an energetic and caring person who was always there when anyone needed her. And she was almost described as like a mother figure. She she was very nurturing and she wanted everyone to be taken care of and make sure everyone was okay. And she was a huge ball of light in everyone's lives. No one had one bad thing to say about her. And there was no. No real worry for Mackenzie's whereabouts until Thursday, June 20th of just last month when Mackenzie's family called the police because they hadn't heard from Mackenzie since the 17th of June three days earlier. So let's just talk about a timeline real quick. So the week of June 10th, Mackenzie had actually traveled to California to visit her family for her grandmother's funeral and she had a returning flight home on Monday, June 17th. So once Mackenzie got to the airport, which she had a really late flight, I don't think her flight actually landed until about one in the morning on June 17th. But once Mackenzie got to the airport, which there's video surveillance footage of her walking around the airport, so we know she got there. And at about two o'clock in the morning, she had ended up texting her mom saying that her flight had landed. And Mackenzie ordered a lift, like the car service lift at 2.42 a.m. from the Salt Lake City International Airport to a place called Hatch Park, which is basically in North Salt Lake City. Now, you might be sitting there wondering, why is this girl getting a lift from the airport to a park at 2.42 in the morning? But we will get into all of that. So she arrived at the park at 2:59 a.m. with her Lyft driver, and according to the Lyft driver, he said that when Mackenzie left his car, she got out and met someone who was in another car waiting for her. So he pulled up, and when he pulled up, he noticed another car there. And if there's another car there at three in the morning, I, you know, it's kind of it makes sense that she would get out and go to that car. The Lyft driver did say she didn't seem distressed, she didn't seem anxious, she didn't seem worried. There was no odd behavior from Mackenzie that he could tell. So that is why when she got out of the car, he didn't really ask questions. He didn't really question it. He just left. When he was questioned by the police, because Lyft as well as this particular Lyft driver had to be kind of interrogated by the police, A, the first thing to say is that they were very cooperative, but B, the Lyft driver said that he didn't know the make or the model of the car that was at the park that night. And a lot of people had a problem with this. For me, I don't necessarily think it's that weird. I mean, I feel like it's one of those things where if you're not looking for something wrong, you're you're not really going to notice it if you're not looking for something you're not really going to, you know, take note of it. I don't think it's very weird that he didn't notice the make and model of the car, but a lot of people had a problem with that. So that was on June 17th, in the early hours of June 17th. And like I said, the missing persons report was filed on June 20th. So three days later by Mackenzie's family. So detectives started looking into this case. And at first they tried to track Mackenzie's phone, um, but the phone was actually off. So they weren't able to do anything with that. And at this point, the police didn't really know what they were looking at. So when detectives started looking into this case, they initially looked at Mackenzie's Phone and try to track her phone, but her phone was turned off. At this point, police really didn't know what they were looking at or what they could expect to find. Obviously, they wanted Mackenzie to be found safely and unharmed. But I think this happens a lot with people who go missing that are a little bit older, meaning like not teenagers who are adults. Sometimes people think, well, maybe they just wanted to up and get away. Maybe they didn't want to, you know, live their lives anymore, not in a suicidal way, but in a way they wanted to get up and start a new life. But Mackenzie's family knew that this was not the case for her. She had been going to nursing school, she was a nursing student, and everything about the situation was so unlike Mackenzie. They knew that for Mackenzie to not have any activity on social media, especially when she was trying to be reached by multiple of her family members, that something was really, really, really wrong here. And Mackenzie had actually not only missed one of her midterms, but she had also missed a flight that she was supposed to be on from Salt Lake City to LAX on June 23rd. So with all of these things that were starting to piece together, everyone was starting to fear the worst. So, like I said, when police started their investigation, they looked into Mackenzie's phone records first. That's typically where the investigation starts, you know, tracking phone calls, seeing if they could find where the phone is, and that was no different here. So, police were really looking into Mackenzie's phone records as well as her social media to see if there was any activity from the sites that she usually visits. When they did that, they were able to figure out that all activity completely stopped at 3 a.m. on June 17th. So police started looking into Mackenzie's phone calls and saw that the last person she had called was a man named Ayula Ajayi. Ayula is a 31 year old man who lived about five miles away from Hatch Park. Neighbors said that a lot of people would go in and out of Ayula's house because he rented out a room um, in his house for an Airbnb. I could not find where Mackenzie and Ayula had met because the police have not released that information, but I was able to figure out that they both had dating apps that they couldn't have not met on a dating app. That could just be something coincidental, but I was able to find they both had dating apps, but it has yet to be released how the two of them met. So because the police had found that this man was the last person to call McKenzie, they were able to get a warrant to search his house and they were also able to interview him. So in this interview, Ayula had multiple different stories that he was going with. He initially said that he had last spoken to McKenzie on June 16th at six o'clock PM. He then said that he didn't know what McKenzie looked like. And when police searched his phone, they were able to find multiple pictures of Mackenzie on his phone so they automatically knew that that was a lie. Um and when police went through his house They went into his backyard and they found a freshly dug up area. And when they dug this area back up, they were able to find items that belonged to Mackenzie in this hole that he had dug up. The police also found burned human remains that unfortunately matched Mackenzie's DNA. And with that, they were able to come to the horrific conclusion that Mackenzie had been murdered. Neighbors of Ayula had actually told the police that they had seen him burning something with gasoline in his backyard on June 17th and June 18th. When police looked into both of their cell phones and tracked them, they were able to figure out that both of them were located in Hatch Park within a minute of each other. Like, time frame, they were both there within practically the same minute. So because of all of this information that was coming out, especially the DNA that was found in the backyard, Ayula was arrested on Friday, June 28th for aggravated murder, aggravated kidnapping, obstruction of justice, and discretion of a body. And this is just on June 28th, like I said, so this was literally just days ago. And right now he is being held in jail without bail. Since all of this news came out, Ayula's ex-wife, Tanisha Jenkins, has actually come out and said a few things that I want to mention. So according to Tanisha, she was introduced to Ayula through her godmother. And when she met him, she was actually pregnant and she had, I think, about four other kids. And she said that while she was pregnant, Ayula was nice and loving and cool, as she described him. But after her child that she was pregnant with when she met him was born, things started to change she said he became a lot more aggressive and at that point they were living in Dallas Texas but he demanded that they move back to Salt Lake City and said if she didn't go to Salt Lake with him that he would kill her. He told her not to talk to anyone and really isolated her from everything. And she said there was one circumstance where it was like the last time they saw each other that he tried to tie her up with a phone cord. And when she tried to run away, he blocked the door and she ended up jumping out of a window. He ended up chasing her into the street with a knife and cut her on her hand. And Tanisha said that she didn't go to the police, but she just moved out of her apartment so he couldn't find her. This is one of the lessons that I want to talk about in this case in particular and stress so freaking hard because if something like this happens to you, if you are dealing with a person like this, please please call the police. Please call the police. He would have gotten locked up for this. There's no doubt. And I know that it is very scary in a circumstance like this. You have a lot of different factors, you know, going on in this situation in particular, Tanisha had kids and, you know, it's just, there's a lot that goes into it. But when you're dealing with this and when you're dealing with something Like this, you know, sometimes it's easier to just be like, I'm just gonna up and move and I'm gonna get away, and you think it'll all stop. But when it comes to situations like this, if it's not you, it's gonna be someone else. So save your life, save someone else's life by putting a stop to this. So now I want to move on a little bit and talk about the things that I had mentioned earlier that I had been reading about Mackenzie while following this case. So like I said, Mackenzie had a dating app or multiple dating apps, just like basically every other single person in this generation. Our generation revolves around these dating apps for single people. It's a brilliant way to meet new people, but it also is a very scary thing. It's a very dangerous situation that you could find yourself in through these dating apps, unfortunately. And while this investigation was going on, it actually came out that Mackenzie, There were messages of her talking to another girl about her being a sugar baby And then she told this person, you know that she had two sugar daddies And if you aren't aware of what a sugar daddy sugar baby situation is to break it down for you really quick There's basically different levels to it. But essentially it's when two people are dating basically kind of um, to benefit off of each other in different ways lots of times the girls and guys will get into relationships with older men and women for financial benefits. you know, These people will take them on vacations and pay their bills and buy them gifts. And the requirement of this varies really from situation to situation. I've heard of some sugar daddy, sugar baby situations where all that's required is meeting up once a month or once every couple months for dinner out in public. And whoever is seen as the sugar baby will then get paid or get a gift or get a vacation. But that's not always the case. A lot of times, sexual favors and physical relationships are involved in these situations these are people you know the older people who basically have the control in this are people who either like younger people or they like having that control or they're divorced or, you know, the list goes on and on as to why they're involved in things like this. But like I said, it came out that Mackenzie had two sugar daddies and she told her friend that she had been using sites like Seeking Arrangements, Online Only and Tinder. And I've seen a lot of people say that McKenzie deserved Yes, deserved what happened to her because she met up with this man at 3 a.m. in a park, which is that the most ideal place to meet someone? No. Is that basically the textbook for where not to meet someone? Yes, but here's the thing that really, really bugs me. Police haven't released the information as to how these two met. We don't know if they have met before, how, or we don't know how long they've been talking. We don't know any of that information. Like I said, this is so fresh. This is so... New And here's the thing that I want to stress the most. Regardless of any of that, I don't care how long they have been talking, and I do not care what anyone says on this one. Mackenzie did not deserve what happened to her. Mackenzie did not deserve to die because of the choices that she made that night. She did not deserve to be murdered by a malicious monster and burned in the back of his backyard. And I've seen people say that she should have had common sense and that when she walked into this, you know, she should have known that this was going to happen. And when the bottom line is this was not Mackenzie's fault point blank. Mackenzie was murdered. And to sit here and say that she is the one to blame for this is absolutely insulting. And you know, we hear horror stories about these dating apps. All the time, and it's so important for people to be safe when they're using them. You know, don't meet in a secluded place, meet in public. Do not, you know, always let someone know where you're going. You know, tell one of your friends, you know, send them a picture of the person. Always make it clear who you are meeting up with, where you are going. Make sure someone knows where you're going. Maybe do a little background check. You never know. But like I said, We don't know the circumstances of the situation because that information has not been released. So to sit here and say that this is like Mackenzie's fault, first of all, no. But second of all... You know, we don't know how long these two have known each other. This could have been someone that she had been talking to for, you know, God knows how long. And to sit here and say that it's her fault for this and she should have known better. No, none of it, absolutely none of it. And that is something that I really wanted to stress because I keep seeing that everywhere I go in the comments and it makes me sick. Okay, we're going to take a short break, but we will be right back with more of the Killer Instinct podcast. Imagine an app designed to make you use it less. Seems a little counterproductive, right? apartments.com's instant alerts mean that you can spend less time looking for the perfect place and more time on just doing you apartments.com the place to find a place all right you guys welcome back So pretty recently there was a contractor who came out and this contractor's name is Brian Wolf. And he had some pretty interesting things to say about Ayula. So he said that he was contacted by Ayula in April actually. And he said that when he was contacted by him, he was asked to make a secret room, a secret room under his front porch. So Ayola wanted a secret room under his front porch. And he told Brian that he had an unlimited budget, but he wanted this project to be done like ASAP very, very quickly because his Mormon girlfriend was coming into town soon and he wanted it to be done before he got there. Now, some of the requests that Ayula had were very beyond bizarre and odd. And these requests included having big, giant hooks, like really big hooks right above head level, which the contractor, Brian, was like, why do you need that? Like, that's very odd. And Ayula told him it was because he wanted to use it as a wine rack. And Brian told him, you know, I can make you a really nice wine rack. You have an unlimited budget. I can make something that looks a lot nicer than that. And Ayula said, no, he wanted the hooks. He wanted the room to be soundproof. And he also wanted it to be fingerprint access only, and to only work on his finger in specific. So This whole situation had Brian Wolf very, very confused, and his eyebrows were raised very highly. And, like I said, Ayula had told Brian that his Mormon girlfriend was coming, and he said he wanted this room basically to go hide away from her and drink alcohol and play really loud music. So, he said that the room had to be loud enough for really loud music to not be heard, essentially. So, with all of this being said, Brian Wolf actually rejected this and said that he wasn't going to do it because it just seemed too weird to him. He said the situation got weirder and weirder the more he explained it. And he actually, like I said, ended up turning the job down. And Brian had gone to Ayula's house and had seen, you know, they talked it out and all of the things Ayula was saying just really weren't rubbing him the right way. As of right now, the police are really trying to dig deep into the investigation and they haven't ruled out if this was a multiple person job or not, meaning if Ayula was or was not the only person responsible for Mackenzie's murder, if there were a couple strings attached along the way. And honestly, I don't think it's out of the question either. Like I said, this is so new that really this case could go in a bunch of different directions over the next couple weeks and months and the more and more that this continues to evolve. So there really is no telling what will be revealed over the next couple months. And as this case continues to grow with new evidence and uh, the more the investigation continues. As of right now, the investigation is pending. And something I also wanted to note that I came across is that about five years ago, Ayula was actually accused for rape, but the victim declined to press charge charges, which I just think that this monster, I don't even want to call him a man because he is just a monster. I personally believe that as awful as this is and as horrific and just tragic and there's so many things about this. That make me so gutted. I personally think that this man was on the road to becoming a serial killer. 110%. I think the whole, you know, wanting to build a secret room in the bottom of your house, what is that? And just everything that has been coming out and everything that's coming to light, you know, his ex-wife and the things that she said that she had to endure through him. I think that this man was on his way to becoming a serial killer. would not be surprised if he has done this before. I really, really, really wouldn't. I don't know if I fully believe that Mackenzie was the first oh, victim of his. Situations like this make me heartbroken because it's really hard because you don't want anyone to have to endure this. But at the same time, I'm so glad that so many people care about Mackenzie and love her enough to really push for this investigation and really push to have answers that this monster was able to be discovered and brought to light, you know? If it wasn't Mackenzie, it would have been someone else. And I'm really glad that there's enough people in Mackenzie's life who care about her enough to want justice for her. And I'm sitting here right now while recording this and I'm kind of stumbling on my words and it's just for the reason that I can't really find the right ones to say in a situation like this because there isn't any right words to say. All I can say is that I am so disgusted with with people like this. These, this never gets easier, like talking about this never gets easier. And it's heartbreaking what Mackenzie had to endure. It's sick, it's disgusting, it's twisted. I hope this monster is locked up for the rest of his life. And to just circle this back around into a lesson, it's so important for everyone listening and everyone in general. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell everyone to be safe, be careful, take the you know, safety precautions when you're going to meet someone online. Like I said, we don't know how they met, that hasn't come out yet. They could have met in a freaking grocery store. We don't know that yet. But always be safe, always make sure your friends are safe. If your friends say that they're going out on a date with a new person, make sure that you know exactly where they're going. And I know it sounds silly and you think it'll never happen to you, but this happens it happens way too often because people don't think it will happen to them there you never know someone you never ever really know someone and that's a scary reality that we live in but it's so important to understand now that way you are aware of your surroundings you're aware of what's going on I don't know if I personally believe that Mackenzie met up with a random a man that she had never met at three o'clock in the morning in a park I I really, really, really have a hard time believing that that was the first time she had ever met. Ayula had said that he was expecting his girlfriend to come stay with him. I really don't think that this was the first time that they were meeting. And that, you know, is just another thing. It just goes to show you never really know who you are dealing with. And for everyone that's saying this is, you know, Mackenzie dug herself into this and she got herself into this situation and yada, yada, yada. Absolutely. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. There's that is not that is not a thing here. That did not happen. Okay. And that's what makes me so mad is I saw so many more comments like uh, discriminating against Mackenzie than realizing the real issue here, which is this monster of a person who murdered her, which blows my mind. It's like why? Why is that the focus? Why are we focusing on Mackenzie and her dating life rather than this man who murdered her and burned her in her backyard? Why is that the focus? It just really, really, really bothered me. And that's why I keep bringing it up because I think it's absolutely disgusting the way some people are talking about her. And just, you know, think twice before you say something like that. Put yourself in a situation, put yourself in her shoes. Just try, you know, just look at it from all different angles. This is not Mackenzie's fault. She was the victim. She is the victim. Her family is the victim. You know, it's not it's not, just not Mackenzie's fault. And so the fact that I keep reading that everywhere just really made me mad, which is why I just wanted to reiterate that as well as the precautionary measures of being safe. And just to remind you guys to always, always, always stay safe. Like I said, this case is very, very, very new. This literally has all just been coming out within the next couple, the past couple days. And I am sure that more information will come out as the days and weeks and months unfold. So if this is a case that you would like me to keep updating you on, on my episodes here, let me know. You can either email me at killer at gmail.com. That is killer instinct, not killer instincts, killer instinct singular. Um, or you can DM me just at Savannah Brimer, and I will see them there. You can reach me on my DMS on either Instagram or Twitter alrighty you guys that is going to be it for me today thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of killer instinct if you are new here make sure you go ahead and hit that follow button that way you never miss a weekly episode that's right you heard weekly we post every Wednesday here on killer instinct and I would love to have you part of the family so we can all just keep spreading the word about these important cases that's gonna be all for me today you guys have a great rest of your week have a happy Fourth of July I will see you next week and stay safe.